0: Today we celebrate the feast of Saint Matthew the Apostle, and we have some selections from the scriptures that are proper to this feast. And the first one is from Ephesians, Paul's a letter to the Ephesians, a very beautiful passage where by Saint Paul delineates the different orders in the church and the kind of the structure of the church, and he says he gave some to be apostles, other prophets, other evangelists, others as pastors and teachers. What's interesting is so, these are the different authorities in the church and ministries that Christ established. And it says he did that, and then it's for a reason though, why did he establish these different authorities in the church? The reason is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that's everybody. The saints or the holy ones in this translation, is a name not for people in heaven, but for us here on earth is to equip us for the work of ministry. And another reason for these authorities that Christ has placed in the church is so that the body of Christ would be built up until everybody attains this unity of faith and knowledge of Christ, and that together we would achieve a maturity and not be a little baby Jesus, but be a full-grown adult Jesus as the body of Christ. So it's a work in progress, it's ongoing. It's very interesting. Uh, this process of maturation in the church will take place until the very end. But you notice, though, these different authorities that Christ has placed in the church are there right until that process is complete. Okay, so even apostles will be present in the church. Until this process is complete, how is that so? I thought the apostles lived 2,000 years ago, they they died. What's that? What's all this talking about? Well, what it's speaking about is the apostolic structure of the church and how the bishops are the successors of the apostles. The bishops today function in the same manner and same way that the apostles did in the first century. And they will do so until the second coming of Christ. The whole purpose for the hierarchical structure of the church is that growth is that maturation process and uh, i see that taking place in, in two ways okay so you have you have two kind of temptations you've got the pharisaical temptation and you got the let's just call it the tax collector temptation okay so if we go to our gospel we see jesus who is eating with the sinners and the tax collectors and is being criticized by the pharisees there's a pharisee in each one of us that wants to judge other people, and other Catholics even, and say, well, you know, what are they doing here? They're, those guys are bad people, they're sinners. What if, you know, I'd be ashamed of myself if, my, if I lived that way or did X, Y, or Z like they did. So each one of us has got a little Pharisee in us. And uh, the what's beautiful about the structure of the church, the hierarchical apostolic structure of the church, is that if that little Pharisee in us really had his way... Uh, you know, the, the exaggerated extent of that, that kind of Pharisaical spirit would, would turn into what's called schism, meaning we're gonna break away and we're gonna form our own group of the holy ones apart from these bad sinners. Okay? And that's happened repeatedly time and time and time again throughout the church. A kind of elitism takes place and there's a break in unity. And it goes exactly opposite to what St. Paul is telling us, keeping the bond of the unity, the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, bearing with one another in love. So the remedy for that schismatic spirit, the remedy for the little Pharisee in each one of us is this text here, bearing with one another in humility, in, in love, and uh, striving to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And it's imitating Jesus in the in the Gospels here who sat with tax collectors and sinners and was in communion with them. The the opposite uh temptation is the I'm just gonna call it the tax collector temptation, just let's just make that term up here. And that is it's the opposite temptation and that is, well, you know I don't really have to repent. Jesus loves me just as I am so I don't got to do anything. You know, look, didn't Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? See? See? Huh? So I can be as bad as I want, and Jesus loves me just the same. And that's okay. And so what you find then is compromise. And let's take the content of the faith and the moral teaching of the church and basically make it go bankrupt. Because who cares? Jesus loves us just as we are, right? We don't need to uh, repent or change our lives or strive to, to be good and to live like Jesus. Um, so that kind of a complacency—that's the opposite temptation. And uh, you can bet your bottom dollar that Jesus was in communion with these tax collectors and sinners to the extent that they were repentant. Okay, so it wasn't that Jesus was saying to the prostitutes, "Yeah, just continue doing what you're going to do," or you know, saying to the tax collectors who were. Extorting you know, money unjustly, oh yeah, just keep doing that. I mean he, he obviously wasn't saying that. Communion with Christ with these people presupposed that they were at least making an effort to change their lives and they were moving in that direction. And the apostolic structure of the church also facilitates uh, a remedy, also provides a remedy for that opposite temptation. because the apostolic structure of the church guarantees a consistent teaching throughout the course of the ages. The moral teaching of the church and the, the, the teaching of the faith of the church does not change and it's guaranteed not to change because of the Pope and the bishops and that apostolic structure that's been uh, given to the church by Christ. So it's a beautiful thing. The apostolic structure of the church, it's a remedy for both of these temptations. The Pharisee temptation that says, you know, I can't be in communion with sinners, we're going to go do our own thing and build our own church that strong apostolic structure of the church keeps people together. It keeps the sinner and the saint together in the pews, sitting next to each other, having to bear with one another in love. Uh, And yet at the same time, that same apostolic structure is a guarantee that the message of the gospel and Jesus' call to repentance is never going to be compromised or watered down. So this is what we thank God today for this, the the Apostle St. Matthew, the Apostles in general, and that apostolic structure that will remain in the church until together we form a a mature stature and, as St. Paul says, attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and to mature manhood and to the extent of the full stature of Christ.